When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome everyone back to another episode of the Knicks State of Mind podcast. This is Draft Series Episode 6. With your host, Jeff Campbell, for the evening, our normal co-host, Chip Murphy, is not with us tonight. He's doing a special podcast related to the NBA lottery, uh, which I believe is about to start at 8 o'clock tonight. But in continuing with our draft series, we are discussing uh, college prospects that are pro-bound, and tonight is no different. Uh, We are very lucky to have one of the assistant coaches from one of the best programs in the nation, the Houston Cougars. We have assistant coach Casey Beard with us tonight. Coach Beard, how's it going? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Uh, it's going well. We're, we're uh, enjoying the, the heat down here in Houston and, and excited to talk some hoops with you guys. Yeah, you guys have probably had that heat a little bit longer than us up in here in New York. It, it literally just started to get decent weather about like a week ago. So uh, we're, we're enjoying it too, but I'm, I'm jealous of you guys every now and then as well. Yeah, for sure. No, beautiful up there, especially when it's a sunny day. So. Yeah. Um, first off, Coach, I want to start off with just congratulating you guys. You had a great season. And with Houston, this has been kind of uh, par for the course recently. Uh, six straight seasons of 20-plus wins, conference championship, a deep run in the NCAA tournament. And a lot of this without Traymond Mark and Marcus Sasser, who you guys lost in December. Can you just talk a little bit about the job that you obviously coach head coach Kelvin Sampson uh, did this year? Yeah, I mean, for us, it it all starts at the top with coach Sampson. Uh, If you go into our film room, just like on the back wall, you're going to see one word and it's going to be culture. And anytime you talk to our guys and you'll see it in interviews, if you guys get a chance to talk to Marcus, Kyler, anybody that's in our draft process or Quentin, certainly there with you guys. He's always going to refer to the culture here at Houston. Uh, so when we had Tremont go down with his shoulder, we had Marcus go down with the foot. I mean, obviously there's always just a, wow, you know, what are we going to do? You're kind of trying to figure things out, but coach Sampson, the leader that he is, he comes in, got a plan. We, we adjusted some of the things we did offensively and we just kept that machine going. And a a lot of credit to the three transfers we had come in, Kyler from Texas Tech, Josh Carlton from University of Connecticut, and then Tajay Moore from Cal State Bakersfield. Those guys allowing us to coach them and to buy into our culture so quickly allowed us to just just keep it going. And and we kind of just rode that rhythm to the Elite Eight. And shoot, if we had made a few more three-pointers, who knows, we could have got to -to back-to-back Final Fours. But... You know, when you're knocking on the door, uh, you're there because you got kids that work hard. 
you've got a culture in place and you've got a head coach and a, like coach Sampson that, that can guide you that path. I think watching you guys, it's really clear that the stuff that you're talking about, you can see it on the court. Um, and I'll touch on this a little bit later in one of my questions, but I even saw an interview with Marcus. I think it was at the beginning of the season. He talked about that culture a lot. And he talked about specific drills that you guys um, do in practice that, that kind of set you up for that success that you've had. Um, but I do, you know, I, I'll, I, I want to start with Marcus in this sense. So you've been with the program since 2014 and you may or may not have had a direct involvement with the recruiting of Marcus, but I want to ask, you know, how did that process go, go ultimately? Um, what did you guys see in him that maybe some other programs didn't because he was ranked about, I, I think 399th in the nation coming out of high school, but um, he's an extremely talented player. So what did you guys see in him? Yeah, Coach Alvin Brooks, who's now the head coach at Lamar University, was the lead recruiter on Marcus out of Red Oak there. Um, coach Sampson will tell his story. Every time we talk about Marcus, the moment he realized he was the guy for us and that, it was gonna, that he was going to be a good player for us is they're out in Vegas. They're, it's early in the morning, you know, there had been all those late games. And so it's less than probably 14 hours since he's played a game and they're going against a better AAU team than the team that Marcus is playing on. He's being double team, triple team, but just the way that he competed that day, his relentlessness. And then he was the best player in the gym on that court that day. Coach Sampson came away from that and was like, he's good enough. He's our guy. And then, like you said, you know, you bring him in, he's, he's really unheralded in a lot of ways. We didn't know necessarily what to expect. <laughs> Marcus, even in the early conditioning, uh, he'd probably admit, you know, it was pretty tough. And there were some moments where, you know, you got to question yourself. That's some of the things that you talk about. Marcus talks about the drills. You know, the way our program's designed is it, it's going to test our guys constantly. They're going to have to test whether they got the mental resolve, the toughness, and then how much do they love the game of basketball? And that's why when you get a player from the University of Houston, like you guys got with Quinn, you're getting a guy that's, that's prepared and ready to, to play and to play at a high level. And so to Marcus's credit, he came in. And the one thing I'll, that stood out to me is it doesn't matter who he's playing against, his confidence and swagger is undeniable. He's oh. He's a quiet leader in a lot of ways, leads by example. But his freshman year, if you go back and look at his best games, you know, they're at Memphis in front of a sellout crowd. They're at Cincinnati. You know, he puts up like 15 or 18 points in the first half in a packed crowd, um, places going crazy. So to me, it's just he rises to the occasion. There's never a time when I have to worry, like, is Marcus going to be ready? I mean, he's always going to be ready to compete and give you your best. I, I, um, when I started watching college basketball this season, and I'll say this, you know, we've done a couple of these episodes with a lot of different assistant coaches. You know, Marcus was a guy that I felt terrible for when the injury happened because I really believe, and I'm not just saying this uh, because you're on the pod with us now, I, I truly believe he's one of the three best point guards in the country. And I know he's not 
high in a lot of mocks right now. I'm not surprised that he lit up the G League um, invite yesterday. I, I really believe that some team is going to get him. Maybe his path will take a little bit longer. Um, but he's incredibly exciting to watch. And I wanted to – I took notes on him this year, and I just wanted to get your reaction to some of them. So sure. some of the things that I felt like were themes that kept coming up in the games that I watch, effortless, effortless manipulation of the pick and roll, can pull up whenever he wants to, really good at drawing contact, Shot selection can be a little questionable at times, but he has every shot in his ar arsenal. Mid-range pull-up, step-back three, drive to the lane, uh, the floater as well. What, it, what do you think is his best skill and what will translate most to the NBA? That's a good, you know, as I've talked to different scouts and people that reached out, you know, they'll ask a, a question that kind of along those same lines. They're like, okay, five years from now, Marcus is playing in the NBA why is he in the NBA? To your point, like what is his best skill? And, and to me, his shooting's always gonna lead the right. Lead. There is not a guy, I would say outside of Quentin, those two have spent the most time in the gym of anybody that we've had. Constantly shooting, constantly working on their game. I think the second to his three point shot that he's really added this last year that you took note of was the floater. He's got a high level floater. Um, he, he has great understanding and great feel for when to pull up for it. Um, that's something that he's worked hard to develop and, and add to his game. And then he's just like we talked about, it's going to be some of those intangibles, the toughness, the ability to um, just work, you know, like as simple as that sounds, that's not a skill that everybody has or a desire that everybody has. And so you know, having worked in the NBA and, and having friends in the front office, I always tell them, I think the toughest job you have is to try to decide how much does someone love it? You know, if we're going to pay this person millions of dollars, he's either going to work less at his game or more at it. You know, is he going to stay driven or not? And that's really the hardest thing because you don't quite know until you give that person that money and see how it changes them. Um, but Marcus is someone that I don't think it'll matter. I just think he loves the game that much and, and just has a desire to be a great player. Along those lines, and I'm happy that you brought up um, the motivation piece of it as well. I feel like this question is kind of along the same length. Did you ever feel this season that you played against a team that uh, schemed well against Marcus, whether they trapped him in the pick and roll or something like that. And how did he respond in that situation when maybe he didn't necessarily have the same as success that he was accustomed to having? Yeah, I think, you know, I don't know if they necessarily schemed, but he had a little bit of a rough go against Oklahoma State, um, a little bit of a slow start. I know he had some big shots later and, and got into a little bit of a rhythm. But because we were playing the game in Fort Worth, which is close to where he grew up, uh, you know, he just wanted to play well. He wanted to play well against Oklahoma State, and it just kind of wasn't going. And, you know, it was nice to see him at halftime. Like, he still had that fight. Like, it was, hey, guys, I know it's not going, but I'm going to get right. I'm going to keep us in it. I'm going to keep making right plays. And that's the thing he's done a better job of. You talked about it, I think, there early in your analysis. You know, 
when you're that talented offensively and you can get your shot off and like you said, in different ways, you're going to be prone to take some erratic shots because you can get to it. You know, uh, not everybody can do that. Uh, and the thing that's so great about playing for coach Sampson uh, is the freedom he gives our guys. Like the way that's not by coincidence, the way Marcus plays, the way Quentin played here, uh, guys like that, the way Tajay played Kyler this year, you know, you're not going to get, you know, if you can imagine this, especially for a college coach, he's not going to sit there and scream at you for shot selection. You know, I know sometimes a lot of college coaches can have that reputation. Hey, he, you know, don't take that shot or don't, you know, and then all of a sudden guys will start worrying about like, where's, where's my confidence at? What's going on? Um, I don't want to get too far off topic of the question, but I think that's the thing with Marcus is coach Sampson would just tell him, Marcus, keep shooting. It's going to go in. And so in that game where he was struggling to bring it back to that game, he was able to hit some big shots, be a part of some big plays down the stretch because he just kept going. He just kept believing in himself. And then we believe in him as much as anybody. I mean, there's not a shot that he shoots that you're not like, I, I think that's going to go in. And so, uh, you know, he's been that for us. And, and uh, had he not got hurt, had he played against Villanova, you know, perhaps we have a little different story. Because uh, in a game where you're facing what Villanova challenged us with, I think that game, Jeff, was honestly one of the first games since the injury that we missed Marcus. Because Marcus, to your point, has the ability to create his own shot and they were running nothing but switching. And so they're switching somebody on and, and where we were struggling to make some shots. That was kind of the first game where we were missing a shot maker like Marcus. Yeah, and, and Villanova, you know, listen, they're obviously uh, a championship tested team. And they, like you said, they have guys that can switch. You know, when you have a guy like, um, Brandon Slatter, you know, a, a long defensive wing who can probably cover one through four, um, you know, having a guy like Marcus on the court where he can really get you off balance with a couple of uh, different dribble moves and step back or drive by you and set somebody else up. It changes that the dynamics of what you guys are able to do. Um, but I'm happy that you brought up also the relationship between him and not just him, but the players and Coach Sampson, because uh, I wanted to ask if there were moments during the season or obviously his three years there where, you know, he needed more constructive feedback on his game. How did he respond to that? You know, sometimes we'll have um, coaches that will tell us, well, listen, you know, he he chirped back a little bit or maybe was a little defensive in the beginning, but ultimately came through. How is Marcus when those those moments come up? Yeah, I would say so and I swear this is as true as true can be in three years, he's had one moment where he kind of just barked back a little bit. Uh, what's incredible about Marcus is he's incredibly coachable. He really is. Now he's ultra confident in his abilities, but if you coach him, he's going to respond. He's going to play harder and he's going to do his best. Um, the guys that deserve a lot of credit within our program you know, obviously Coach Sampson, but the other two that in terms of his guard development, uh, Coach Qantas White is our guards coach. Um, he's done a lot of work with Marcus uh, and then Hollis Price, um, you know, been a special assistant, now assistant coach with us. Uh, 
you may be familiar with Hollis. He was a great college basketball player. Um, but the one thing I always say, Hollis is one of his best values he brings to his staff is he knows what it's like to be the best player. Like, I don't know how that feels, especially to be the best player for Coach Sampson. You know, Coach Kellen knows what it's like to be his son, but not necessarily his best player. Coach Q knows what it's like to be his point guard and can give advice. But where Marcus has become our best player, the relationship he has with Coach Hollis Price has become one of those where Hollis will talk to him about, hey, I think, you know, maybe he loves to work out. Hey, maybe take a little bit of time here, get your legs underneath you. We got a big stretch coming out. Um, but at the same time, Hollis is there kind of like, hey, you know, this is when you need to be putting down, getting more work and can really guide him in that. Um, but those two coaches, Qantas and, and Hollis, have done a tremendous job developing what you see now is a lot of their help, their hard work with Marcus. Uh, and, and you can see the fruits of that. Two more questions on Marcus, and then I, I want to switch over to Kyler for a little bit. I saw an interview where I think it was the beginning of, of this season where he talked about the summer goal for him was to really improve his body. Um, where do you think he needs to improve the most now? Do you feel like he, he improved on his body and, and got into whether it's better shape or maybe just stronger? Um, what's the next step he has to take to make an impact? Yeah, the reason I'm kind of chuckling is because is when he came in as a freshman, that first conditioning, <laughs> it's real. Hey, I credit our guys every year because it is challenging. Uh, and those were the moments where Marcus was like, man, you know, I want to call, I want to go home. Like, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> and funny, his mom told him, you know, just read those tattoos you have on there. That's all the strength you need, you know. Uh, but to his credit, from that moment, to show you how coachable he is, yeah. he's never been out of shape since then. He's never been a guy that you're like, Marcus, man, you look. But when he came in, he came in, I mean, he's almost built like a safety. Yeah. 6'2", 6'3". Uh, he's got really big hands for his size, like really big hands. Um, but it was funny because he, but he was like 205, around 2, 205. And now he plays closer to 190. And so over the three years, along with Coach Alan Bishop, who's our strength coach, he's really got his body right to where he can play all day, like, to his credit, you know, when he got injured to now and when he's played, uh, uh, once he got cleared and was playing pickup, I was impressed by his cardio level. Uh, that's not something that's necessarily easy to maintain. Um, could have been easy to just eat a bunch of junk food as a college player. You know what I mean? And just you're hurt, you know, just kind of do that. But to Marcus's credit, he kept working on his body, kept getting in shape and finding ways to stay in shape, even with a, a hurt foot. I uh, kind of along that lines and maybe touching on something you said earlier, I'm really interested to know how he was off the court. Um, talked about leadership and, and maybe some of those intangibles that he improved on over the time that he's with Houston. Also saw an interview where he really credited guys that you mentioned earlier, Quentin Grimes, Dejan Giroux for picking up guys in practice if they were maybe having a bit of an off day. Did he assume that role for you guys this year? Yeah, that, that's what's been cool is to see. And that's 
also at the same time, a little bit, you know, heartbreaking is because he was trending so well in that leadership role for us. I mean, this was truly his team. And, you know, he's having the best season he's ever had. He's playing really well. We've got a great team, obviously a team that good enough to possibly make a final four and make a run at it, you know, um, getting to an elite eight. Uh, and then, you know, when that's taken away from you, it can be a challenge, but he stayed around, he stayed positive with the guys. He did a great job. Nobody was a better cheerleader on the bench, you know, waving the towel, picking guys up as they came off than, than what Marcus did. Uh, as in terms of how he is off the court, I mean, he's just a great person. He really is like, you never, you know, he and Quentin and then, uh, <laughs> Their roommate, uh, Ryan Elvin, who's our walk-on, who's probably the, the best human being you'll ever meet. Uh, you know, those guys are tight. They talk, they, they still stay in touch. And it was funny, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Quinn was in town and they were playing pickup and it was kind of fun to see Quinn and, and uh, Marcus just going at it, guarding each other and, and going on. I think Marcus scored nine points, Quinn had eight points. You know, it was just one of those where they're just kind of going back and forth, but, their friendship uh the player he's playing against <laughs> exactly yeah. so uh but great person never you know you never worry about what he's going to do and and uh just i mean just a i mean he's just a great guy just great temperament funny you know as you get to know him just uh just a good guy coach i want to switch over to kyler edwards uh so obviously a transfer from texas tech how did he fit in with the culture you guys had at Houston? Obviously a, a very tight knit group and anyone that I've read about and, and, and um, heard interviews of talks, you know, explicitly about this culture and, and why it's the backbone for the success that you guys have. So how did Kyler fit into that? You know, Kyler came from a program that had made a national championship game. Kyler is a winner. Like that's the first thing when I think of Kyler and uh, he's a winner and he's very dependable. Uh, so the way he fit our culture, you know, especially if you've seen any interviews with coach Sampson, we are so about rebounding, like rebounding, 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 and specifically offensive rebounding. Um, we ask on, on the defensive end, we ask our bigs a lot of times, Hey, you've got to block out. So guards, you've got to get in there and rebound. And Kyler was our best defensive rebounding guard we've probably ever had. Uh, he was a guy that would get in there and get seven defensive rebounds a game for us at times. You know, somebody that we could count on. Then the thing that we got impressed with, uh, you know, as he continued to play for us is when Marcus went down, he became our backup point guard. Mm -hmm. And as I've talked to teams about him, the thing I've tried to, tell him is to me he is a great fit as a backup point guard in the nba you know perhaps you know things work out he can be an off guard starting off guard you know there's opportunities you never know how things work out but his ability to pass and pick and roll if you'll watch film on him at his size he sees the roller he sees the play behind he sees the play in front he can make the reads at all three levels He's got enough game to finish around the rim. He's got a good pull-up game. He can hit the threes. Um, and then the thing that, that really stands out, and this is a pretty bold statement, but I mean, he's 
arguably the best defender we've ever had. Wow. Okay. You know, he, and I say that more because we've had great defenders that are great on the ball, but maybe they're not so good off the ball or great off the ball, chasing around screens and, and contesting shots, but they struggle on the ball. They struggle in pick and rolls. Uh, there wasn't a guy, he got the, the number one guy we were going to shut down on the other team was always Kyler's matchup. There was just, when, when you're the coach presenting a scout, it's good to know that Kyler's going to be the guy defending the number one match. Like there's some peace of mind that comes with it. And that's why I say when you're, a, if you were looking at a role that, you know, at the next level for him, that backup point guard or backup guy that could defend multiple positions, can switch, can defend, has that toughness, kind of what Boston's been doing a lot of. Like he's someone that's got a high IQ that could fit in a system like that and, and really excel. Um, but the reason he fit our culture is just because he's about winning. He, so that means he's going to put in and do the little stuff that our culture demands to lead to wins. I'm really interested to hear your response on this. You know, all of the mocks that I look at, and with Marcus, it's easy to kind of rationalize because he was injured. So that's going to hurt his draft stock. But a lot of the mocks I look at, and I don't personally feel this way because I loved watching Kyler Edwards this year. He's really great in catch and shoot situations. He can handle, he can pass um, and defend. And I, I love that compliment that you gave him that he's probably one of the best wing defenders that you guys have had. Why am I not seeing, you know, Marcus and Kyler, um, even Tajay on, on more mocks in the top 60? Is, um, is there something that you feel like um, people are missing with them? And, and do you feel by the way that teams are calling you guys and asking about them that when it comes draft night, there won't be a question. Maybe they will be, they will be drafted based on the amount of uh, kind of intel that people are seeking from you guys. Yeah, I, you know, I always think the mocks are going to first, what's always interesting from a mock standpoint, it's almost like the more years you spend in college, the less likely they're going to put you high on the mock. 100%. Uh, there's almost a better to be an unknown or a guy that just has potential, got the measurables, you know, that the NBA is looking for. And I certainly understand that to some extent. There are certain... You know, I know when I was with the Blazers, they would do analysis on wingspan and probability of success and different things like that. Um, you're always trying to find some things to help in the decisions. Uh, the reason probably those three aren't, you know, showing up on mocks or things like that is because they're not, I mean, Tajay is, but, you know, for Marcus and Kyler, in, in, you know, individually, they're not super athletes that are above the rim making highlight play. They're not John Moran. Right. You know? um, and so now they fall into a, again, the toughest thing to measure is how much do they love and what's their heart? You know, the NBA, you can see what the Miami Heat have done with undrafted players. And they're able, they do a great job of evaluating guys and skill sets and valuing certain things that they can translate, you know, to their system. I think sometimes also what, you know, the NFL is a little easy in terms of draft because you know what system most teams run. So this guy fits a system. Well, sometimes in the NBA, you're trading or changing your head coaches so often, there's not necessarily a system in place. 
So that's why it's easy for the Spurs to maybe say, this is a Spurs guy and people in the draft go, oh, we know why he drafted him because he's a Spurs guy because they have a system in place. Right. Same reason when we recruit a player now, they commit to us and everybody comments, oh, he fits Houston's culture. For guys like Marcus, Kyler, Tajay, if there's teams like the Spurs and things that value those intangibles as well, those guys end up falling into those programs, those organizations, and end up having an impact. You know, Quinton with the Knicks, great fit for a guy like Thibodeau because he's been coached hard, so he can take being coached hard by Coach Tibbs. You know, there's, there's things that sometimes get misevaluated, uh, and it always depends. Uh, I always think the relationship between your GM or whoever's making the decision on your, on your draft the head coach, and then the best player. If there's not a synergy on those three in the organization, it's gonna be hard to really move forward. But when those three are in place, you get something special. So now it's easy to add pieces and it's easy to add a Marcus because you know what he's gonna bring. You know he's got a skill set that translate. You can bring in Kyler because he's got a toughness. He's about winning. You can bring in Tajay because you need athleticism. You know what I mean? Like there's places you can plug it in. But if you, all, if you fall into the draft and you only look at measurables and things like that, uh, those guys fall through the cracks because they're, you can't always measure what they bring. Coach, um, back to Kyler, I'm, I'm very interested in understanding when teams call about him, what's maybe the one question that they're asking you the most? Is it um, how he is off the court. Uh, what are they trying to figure out the most? Because the tape will show you that I think he's a very reliable shooter. Um, the defense and passing is there. Like you said, there's a little bit of a bias against guys that are older and that have been in college for a while. What are they trying to figure out about Kyler? Yeah, I think they're more, it's probably more those things they can evaluate to your point. It's when we get calls, most of the time it's, you know, is he a good person? Is he somebody that can be coached? How does he take coaching? Obviously where he's been coached by Coach Beard and he's been coached by Coach Sampson, he can sure, you know, take, a, you know, getting chewed out. Right. It's not gonna mess him up. Um, so those are the things they wanna know. What's he like off the court? Uh, you know, he's got an edge to him. That's what I tell people. He's got like an edge, like uh, kind of like an FU, I'm gonna get this done. I'm gonna find a way to win. Right. That's, that goes back to his dependability and, and his, his desire to win is probably as probably his greatest strength. But again, that's not a measurable. He's not a guy that, yes, he can dunk, but he's not Tajay where he's flying in and just getting a ridiculous putback or something like that. Uh, so <clears throat> those things, and, and you know, it's just hard. You know, the draft's about being sexy in a lot of ways. And sometimes if the guy's not a sexy pick, it's just easy to, it's easy to overlook winners because you're just like, you know, uh, we can get him here or that, or, or the best thing, we, we can change this guy. He's got all the talent, no drive, but we can change him, you know? Right. So, uh, but yeah, the questions that mostly relate just to kind of what's Kyler like off the court, what's he like? and. And I mean, great guy, really funny, great sense of humor. Uh, you know, just he was kind of the guy in a lot of ways between him and Marcus, because Marcus, 
you know, kind of a little bit more quiet, but funny. Those two both from the Dallas area, they just kind of had a, it was a, it was a great leadership duo for us. Uh, Cause Kyler's a little more outgoing, has a really funny personality and, and cracks jokes and kind of can keep everybody light. And you got Marcus there kind of offsetting that with being a little more serious and kind of thing. So it, it was really good for our program. You mentioned Kyler's edge, and I feel like that's a great way to transition to Tajay Moore, who I feel like that personifies the way that he plays. Um, I really loved watching him on your team this year. His energy was completely infectious. I felt like it was a momentum changer in games. Um, how did you guys, there's no question his athletic talents. Uh, I saw an interview where Marcus Sasser said he's literally the best athlete I've ever seen in my life. Um, how did you guys work with him and refine some of his player development skills, you know, dribble, get into a mid-range pull-up, things like that? Because in watching the game where he really excelled, and you could say this about a lot of players, but I feel like it was really true with him. When his uh, momentum and rhythm was there, he hit shots really well and everything looked great when it wasn't um, it seemed like it was hard for him to, to get into that rhythm, but he could always impact the game because his energy and athleticism was there. How did you guys work with him on, on some of the finer point skills? Yeah, I think for Tajay, he probably had the biggest adjustment when it came to the culture and it's not, it was just cause he wasn't you coming from, he was coming from a place where he'd been coached hard but he was just so overwhelmingly generally the best player on the court right. that, you know, he could probably take a possession off here and there and, and get away with it, you know? Um, but when he came here, the accountability coach Sampson demanded of him and then that we needed from him, um, you know, took him getting used to, uh, but the thing that he really excelled at once he, he, realized that he could impact the game in multiple ways that our other guys couldn't it kind of opened his mind so uh yes he had games where he would struggle shooting but then he would go get a block from the weak side or chase down or or go get a tip dunk where you're just watching it and you're like where did he come from <laughs> to like marcus said i, I th there were things he did in practice where all of us would just look at each other did you did he just I've never seen a human lick so consistently put his nose on the rim. I mean, it's just unreal. Uh, Coach Qantas White did an unbelievable job kind of helping him develop his three-point shot and his confidence in that. You know, the only way you get good at shooting is by shooting. And so he put in a lot of time, a lot of effort, and really got to where, you know, towards the end of the season, he was maybe – our most consistent three-point shooter in a lot of ways. He hit some big ones. <laughs> he also hit the biggest one to start the season when we almost lost in an upset to Hofstra at home where Marcus drove in with eight seconds left and kicked it to him in the corner and he hit a three to send it to overtime. Um, he did a great job of adding shooting to his athleticism. I think to me, every time when I talk to teams, I mean, he's a no-brainer you know, to put in your G League, Summer League, like he's got everything that you would ask in, in terms of ability. He's a great passer, fearless passer, 
But I'll say the one thing you ask, well, why isn't he showing up? He's 24. Right. It's his age. Like if he was 21 doing what he's doing, he'd be a first late first or early first. Coach, two more questions. Um, and, uh, you know, you've been very gracious with your time, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about um, one, one question related to your time in uh, working with the Canadian national team and, of course, Quentin Grimes as well. Uh, I, I, I saw that you did work with the Canadian national team in 2013. Any interaction at all with RJ Barrett? I know it was a little bit before his time, but maybe the U19s or U18s, any interaction with him at all? Yeah, so it actually, it's a little bit, it's, I spent four, I did four summers in a row. So 2013, 2014, 15, 16, uh, working, Jay Triano was the head coach of the yep. national team. That's how I met coach Sampson first summer. Uh, Coach Sampson was an assistant, and then when he got the job down here, he, he reached out to me and, and brought me on. But yeah, with RJ, we uh, might have been the summer of 20, 2016. So it was he and Shay Gilgis Alexander were the two young guys on the team, and we went through a tour in Europe. Shay ended up going with us to the Philippines to compete. Uh, we ended up losing to France in the game to go to the Olympics. Uh, so we just missed it by that much. But RJ was there in our European, like our warm-up games preparation. And we were playing um, Croatia, in Croatia. And he would have been going into his senior year of high school, I wanna say. And he was already doing things. I mean, he was arguably the, you know, the, the best player on the team at that point. Uh, both he and Shay showed signs uh, in that training camp that I was like, these guys are in high school. <laughs> you know, I, I was like, Shay's as good as any point guard we got here. <laughs> He's 17, you know, RJ's here and, and his athleticism and what he could do. You knew he was going to be a great player. You know, he's the kind of guy that I wish Houston was where Houston is now. Maybe we could have recruited him when I was there and had a chance at him. I mean, he was a, a talented player. Coach Quentin Grimes scored 1,200 points for you guys uh, during his time at Houston. Uh, what did you think about his first year with the Knicks? I know um, you may not have gotten to see a lot of games. Uh, you got plenty of work to do uh, working with the team that you're with. But what did you like about his first year with the Knicks? And what do you think is the next step in his development? Yeah, I mean, the thing that, you know, you're always proud of is when he played, he always played hard. Very hard. You know, I know when he got drafted to the Knicks and with Tibbs, I know Coach Tibbs doesn't, being a rookie there is not easy because he's, he wants to win. And right. usually at that level, you win with veterans. Right. So I thought it was a big credit to Quinn to earn playing time. And he didn't just come in and assume he didn't mope or do anything like that. Um, Quinn, to his credit, has been through some adversity, has, has great resilience about him and he's ultra confident in his ability. Like nobody's put more work into shooting than Quinn. And so I always knew it, like he's going to get enough shot attempts and enough opportunities. He's going to produce. Uh, I think the next step for him is, you know, how do you now play off of your three point shot and become a little bit of a shot creator for others? You know, that's, 
the hard part about doing that is that a few turnovers may come. And so it's kind of a give and take of where not trying to do too much, but trying to use now that you're going to be labeled a shooter, how to use that to your advantage to create shots for other people. And um, to, to that point, you know, he said that in interviews as well. He said that um, he knew that the reputation of Coach Tibbs was that he didn't like to play rookies. And his answer was, I'm going to give him a reason that he can't leave me off the court. Um, and you can tell, you know, there's been reports that uh, Tibbs runs about two practices a day. He does one with the young guys and then he does one with the full team. And Quinton's clearly made an impact um, defensively and offensively. He really excelled in a, in a reserve role. And I think everyone is, is really excited to see um, what the future holds for him. Last one on Quinton. I'm just very interested. Do you think there's any chance that he's playing a recruiting role a little bit and maybe talking to either the coaching staff or the front office, maybe angling for some of the Houston guys um, for the Knicks to take a look at? You think he's in their ears any, any bit at all? Well, I'm sure he is. Uh, you know, there's not a bigger fan of Houston than, than Quentin. And so if he could have Marcus with him or Kyler or somebody that's come through a similar experience that he did that I know for sure that, that yeah, he's definitely trying to do his best. Uh, there's no doubt about that. If they ask him his opinion, he's going to, he's going to bring a Houston Cougar with them. Awesome. Um, well, listen, coach, uh, I'm very excited to see where these three players land. As I said before, you know, I, I really feel strongly that Marcus Sasser is a, is, is a hidden gem right now. I don't think he's going to be so hidden when we get through the combine and, and some of these uh, invite camps and whatnot. Um, so I expect him to do well wherever he is, whether he has to start in the G League and work his way up. Um, but I'm, I'm very interested to see how all, how all these three players do. I'm definitely a fan of them, and I'll be pulling for you guys next season as well. Uh, just wanted to thank you for the time tonight and, and really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. We appreciate it.